Homeschool, public school, private school, doesn't matter. Your children will be exposed to lies. How can you galvanize them against the ones that they're going to hear? The Access More Podcast Network has faith-based shows about culture, family, and entertainment without all the other noise so you can discover inspiring conversations easier. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hey, what's up? Hello. Man, welcome to the pantry. Man, it was like gymnastics to get here. I don't know what was going on with Zoom, but that means this is going to be good. It usually <laughs> is. I mean, look, y'all, our Zoom went completely... I know. <laughs> like we lost all our calendars, everything. But you know what? We have an awesome guest today. Yes, we do. And 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 that's probably why the enemy is not happy because we're about to let you guys in on a little secret: how to future-proof your kids. Yes. And I think that is important, imperative. So let's just bring on our guest. Yes, yes. So Elizabeth Urbanowitz is a follower of Jesus Christ who is passionate about equipping kids to understand the truth of the Christian worldview, and she's also the founder of Foundation Worldview, which is a comparative worldview curriculum for kids young and older. So welcome, Elizabeth. It's awesome to have you. Yeah, awesome. Oh, thanks so much for having me on today, guys. It's great to be with you. And I always ask this like too late, but did I butcher your last name? And if so, say it right for all of our listeners. <laughs> you did a pretty good job. No, my last name is Urbanowitz. Um, okay. So it's a confusing Urbanowitz. one. So I always tell people that I'm praying that if God has marriage in his plan for me one day, he will send a tall man with a very short last name because that would be perfect. <laughs> I feel you. I'll bet you feel like I do. Okay, because you think Shay. But it's Shia all the time. Yeah. And I just got done correcting people. I'm like, it's cool. It's We're, we're okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that awesome. I had a hyphenated last name. And so when he came along, I was like, nope, not wow. change. People are like, which last name are you keeping? I'm like, neither. My name's Watson now. <laughs> and it's staying it. there, you know, so I feel you. I'll am I, am you I that, that tall? guy with you the easy are. last name. Yes. Right, cool. Thank you. I mean, no one, no one takes your last name and, and messes it up like nice. your first name. So, so that's always good. So I think it's awesome having her on because when yes. we sat down in our initial conversation, mm-hmm. we actually <laughs> got some knowledge because I think it's really important that when we're raising our kids and going through life, that we bring them into a way that they can discern things. Right. Um, I call it common sense. I don't know if that's, that's military, <laughs> military term is like, Hey, you got common, we, we need to teach some common sense because you know, smarts is important. Um, I think it's really cool when you start looking at the dynamic of how the, how, how God works, you know, you've got the logos and you got the rhema, right? Well, you got the logos, book smarts and all this, and then you got the Holy spirit that comes in and kind of says, Hey, hold up. Let, let's look at this the right way. So I think let's just dig in. Yeah. So I think first up, is the question that a lot of people, they're like, well, what is a biblical worldview? And I think most are like, well, it's a worldview based on the Bible, but for a child, you know, how do you, how do you jumpstart that? Because not every kid and not every parent started from like the womb, right? So everyone's at a different place, but how would you define a biblical worldview? Yeah, I love the way that you said that because a biblical worldview is not something that any of us are born in. You know, whether we're born into a Christian family or a family that has values that go very much against scripture because of Genesis 3. You know, we've all been affected by the fall. So we, by default, do not have a biblical worldview. And so the way I explain it to kids is I just say a worldview is kind of like this map in your mind of what is true about life and the world around you. It affects the thoughts you think, the words you say, and the things that you do. So just a really easy definition that, you know, whatever we believe is true, that's going to affect how we think and live and speak. 
Um, and so obviously we do not have a biblical worldview naturally. So we're going to spend our whole lives as Christians, as Christian parents. And we want our kids to spend their whole lives, you know, in this process of developing a biblical worldview of using the Bible as their mental map for understanding what is true about life and the world around us and having that affect all their thoughts, their words, and their actions. That's so critical because and I love that you said that none of us start out that way. It's something that we're always, no matter what age we are, we're learning. And one of the things that we were excited about about this episode is so often people are, especially Christians, they're like behind the power curve because they're looking at what's already out there trending in the negative realm. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to come up with, OK, how do I prepare my kids for this? How do I what do I tell my kids for this? Rather than taking 16 steps back, which is what you did and saying, Okay, rather than give them this little formula for this and a formula for this and a formula for this, let's give them the way to think so that they mm -hmm. can come to the biblical conclusion, no matter what is thrown their way. Mm -hmm. I really want to just hone in on something that you said there, you know, like we, we look to the world for our cues. And that is so true because we as believers and even as just as humans in general, we are getting attacked from three fronts. You know that there's right. the world, the worldly secular culture, there's Satan, God's enemy and our enemy, but also our sin nature, you know, like within. So it's like everything around us and inside of us is speaking lies to us, you know, so it's just this, <laughs> this constant battle of fighting for the truth. And so my background is in elementary education that I um, I'm, I mentioned before, I'm not married, so I don't have any children, but I love working with children. And I saw during my teaching time in a Christian school that the students who got it placed in my care, they came from great Christian homes. You know, I was giving them a biblically based education. Most of them were involved in a local church, but they were still rapidly absorbing ideas from the culture without any question. And so what I really sought to do is to, um, first I just sought to find materials. I wasn't right. wanting to create <laughs> stuff on my own. So I sought to look for materials that would help me just transform the way that they thought and the kind of questions that they were asking and the way they were diving into scripture. And when I couldn't find anything at that eight, nine year old range, that's when I sought to create materials. So now I run an organization called Foundation Worldview, where our goal is to provide parents just with easy to implement resources that align with God's design of the human mind. Mind. So that, you know, it's all research based designed to actually change the way that our children think to get them to ask the question, OK, what is this idea I was just presented with? Is it true? How do I know whether or not it's true? Does it line up with scripture? How do I know whether it lines up with scripture? Because if we can, like you said, you know, we can't possibly prepare our children for everything that's coming yeah. down the pipeline because we don't know what the future holds. <laughs> but we can give them skills that they can use in any and every situation to ask good questions, to be careful evaluators, sorry, I can't say that word, evaluators and hold everything up against the truth of God's word. So I think, I think I, that, that's beautiful because I really believe that for many years I sat there, even in my own critical thinking and got consumed by what was going on. Like, okay, how do I defend against this? How do I defend against this? How do I defend mm. against this? And that list just kept like growing yes. and growing and growing. And then I, I took it back to the three principles that you talked about. Okay. The, the world's going to come against us. Satan's going to come against us and our flesh, but who started it all? Satan. So where is the best place to go and combat Satan? Well, through the Bible, through the word of God, through spirit, your, our spirit, right? Like the Holy Spirit comes in, he dwells in us. And so we start thinking with those steps backwards. One of the analogies I've used several times, uh, or at least once on, on the podcast was, okay, DC has 2,832 bus stops. Now I could sit there and look at the 2,832 bus stops 
and just be like, okay, here it comes. Here it comes. This one, this one, this one, this one, this one. Or I take a step back and I say, okay, you know what? Satan's behind all of this. So how does that be, how do we combat? And that is what you're saying mm-hmm. through the word of God. And I think that that is beautiful because when we, that simplifies it for us. It's amazing that when we dig into the word of God and we start listening to the Holy Spirit, we start getting into communication with, 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 with Christ. It's like, oh, Okay, it's almost like he opens our eyes to truth. And it's like, okay, yeah, I you know what? I really can't do anything about this on my own, but I can show my child that hey, the answer is coming from God. Like if I can get her relationship dialed in with God, then when it starts to come against her, she'll start thinking like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So by the way, critical thinking, not, you know, what was the word I used earlier? <laughs> I think you said, oh, you said common, common sense. sense. But, but no. Critical thinking. There's lots of, it's a Venn diagram with a big shared space in the middle, you know, <laughs> or at least we hope. That's right, the goal. right, right, right. <laughs> and you started, yes. I believe when we had our, like, our pre-chat, you yeah. talked about how in, with, like the parents started coming to you asking what they, what you, how you were getting the kids to think the way they were thinking and stuff like that. Cause it didn't start with you saying, Hey, I, I want to have a ministry. I want to do this. It started with you just right. having a passion to serve whatever kids came your way in class. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I told you in our pre-interview, like I never had this dream of like, Oh, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start this ministry for children. And I'm going to help, you know, the parents to do this. It was just seeing these students who I loved, you know, in my classroom, that they were falling prey to the lies of the culture and the lies of the enemy and them just not having the tools that they needed, you know, even though they knew the Bible stories and they knew the Bible verses. And so what I started to do is when I was creating resources, I just started to ask them big questions that any worldview has to answer, that the Bible answers and that other worldviews do. Questions like, what is truth? What should I worship? How did life begin? What does it mean to be a human? How can I tell right from wrong? And first, I, we just talk about what is this question? What do, what, what do we mean when we say truth? You know, what do we mean when we say life or humans? And then we'd say, okay, like, let's dive into scripture and see how, what God has revealed about this answer. You know, and so we dive into scripture. We'd look, you know, spend a whole week just looking at how has God answered this question? Then what we do is we'd look at how other worldviews answer this question. You know, what do other worldviews teach about truth and, you know, what's most important, what we should worship and what it means to be human? And we'd explore those answers. And then, like you mentioned, a Venn diagram, I would actually have my students on a Venn diagram, you know, compare and contrast and say, okay, you know, what things are similar about these answers? You know, how do these different worldview answers compare Mm -hmm. similarly to the Bible? And then how are they different? And then we'd evaluate, okay, what actually lines up with reality? And the really amazing thing was, is the kids were able to see so quickly that scripture just provides answers that no other worldview does. You know, when we were looking at, you know, Um, Just like Eastern religions that have kind of come into the U.S. and how, you know, they just teach, follow your heart. That's the way we know morality. I'll never forget this one boy in my class. He raised his hand. He was like, Mr. Banowitz, I am super confused. And I was like, Josh, what are you confused about? He's like, okay, so let's say my heart tells me I need an Xbox. My dad's heart tells him I do not need an Xbox. Like, (laughs) who's going to be right? And I was like, oh, so you're saying that if we follow our hearts, different people's hearts are going to tell them different things. He's like, Yeah. yeah, like. All, all the time, every day. And I was like, okay, so who's going to win in that situation? He's like, well, my dad, because he's the biggest and the strongest and he has the most money. And I was like, oh, so according to this worldview, the person who's the biggest and the strongest and has the most money, 
they're the one that's right. You know, and they were just able to see how clearly like this does not make sense. It doesn't work. It might sound good when Disney music is swelling in the background, but you know, it just doesn't work. And so it was so exciting for me and all the other adults involved in these kids' lives to just see that once they were given these basic skills, they really were able to dive into scripture and compare it with other worldviews. They were able to see the truth on their own without me needing to give them a lecture, you know, or five steps for how to do this or understand this. It was just so exciting to see. I like that because mm-hmm. we're dealing with the kids. Yes, <laughs> and and, we're, and and so so okay. How how much time do you get to spend with with those kids? Would you say so? Well, so when I was teaching, I'm not in the classroom right now. So right now I'm very intentional about spending time with the kids in my church. But when I was teaching, you know, during the during the classroom time, I was with the kids, you know, eight hours a day, actually teaching this material. It was for one hour a week. (laughs) Oh, that's that. that, okay. so that's good because we just progressed. Now you're working with the children at your church. So then how much time do you get Mm -hmm. per week? With the kids at my church, I get. I get, well, I, I don't get the eight, those eight hours. I get an hour on Sunday and an right. hour on Wednesday. Okay. So, so there we go. This is good. The professional gets an hour on Sunday mm-hmm. and we're with our kids at least, at least five, seven days a week. I hope seven, but, I mean, but yeah. let's say five yeah. to be safe. So the next question that we kind of were thinking, like how, how can parents incorporate this? How can parents incorporate mm-hmm. this? Because, I mean, you've had, you know, you're, you're the professional. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, this I got this dialed in. I know how to bring this up. But how do you encourage parents mm-hmm. to bring in and incorporate and, and teach their kids about this uh, this worldview and then how to compare it to biblical worldview? Yeah, that is such a great question, because I think that is something that so many parents worry about. They're just thinking like, how do I cover everything? And how do I do all this? And this seems so complicated. And I can empathize because as a teacher, anytime I was asked to teach something I was not an expert in, it terrified me. It scared the heck out of me. You know, and I'd always kind of save it towards the end of the day, hope we run out of time, you know? (laughs) Um, And so this is something that um, two things about this. First, I think we need a mindset shift as parents that we do not need to be the experts in everything Mm -hmm. in order to disciple our kids well, because our kids are going to ask questions that we don't know how to answer. And there are going to be new things coming down the pipeline, like new, new um, social media platforms and other things that we don't understand. But if we create a strong relationship with our kids and we model for them how to find the answers, that is so much more valuable than knowing the answer to everything. Because if our kids come to us, you know, and we're trying to train them in something and they have a question that we don't understand and we're just like, well, let me tell you the answer. What we're doing is we're creating dependence on us. And so every time they have a question, then they need to come to us. Well, what happens when they turn 13 and they no longer care what we think? Or they turn 18 and they're out of the house. Well, then they transfer that blind trust to someone else, whether it's a peer or it's a YouTuber or it's a professor. And that's not what we want. So if we say, oh my gosh, that is a great question you just asked me. And do you know, I've never even thought about that question before. Oh my gosh, how smart are you that you just thought of that question? Okay, let's take some time tomorrow and let's explore the answer to that. We'll talk, you know, like we'll find the answer. So that's one thing, just to have a mindset shift as parents that we do not need to be the experts in everything, but we can guide our kids and walk alongside them and train them to find solid answers. And then the second thing is that's why God has called us to do what we do at Foundation Worldview. 
because, you know, right now I'm not married and I don't have kids. So I have much more time. I have the same amount of hours in my day as right. every parent does. You know, I don't have any more hours, but my time can be invested in a very different way because God has not called me right now to raise my own biological or adoptive children. And so at Foundation Worldview, what we seek to do is we seek to make materials that any parent can implement that are video based. So you don't even need to do the teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't even need to explain it to your kids, but you do need to be there because relationship truth must always be done in the context of relationships. So as long as you know how to press print and play and pull up a chair next to your child, mm-hmm. you can do this. So those are the two things, you know, I would encourage people with one mindset shift. We don't have to be the expert. We just have to know how to guide our children to find the right answers. And then if you're looking for somebody to help you with this, that that's what we do at Foundation Worldview because we know you're very busy and there's so many facets of parenting and God's given us the time to do this. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to give the parents one more little piece of advice. Number three, watch it first. Mm-hmm. Read through it first. That mm-hmm. way you're prepared for those questions. Yep. Yeah, so much. <laughs> Excellent piece of advice. <laughs> yeah, like so much of what I'm hearing you say is being, there's biblical truths in this, right? That mm. actually stand out. There's humility, knowing that you don't need mm. to be the answer or have the answer because actually yeah. trying to grandstand and have the answer creates dependency that's unhealthy, right? right? So we want to be humble and admit when we don't know. And then continuously asking questions. Jesus always asked questions and it's not because he didn't know the answer. It's because they (laughs) empower the person that is being questioned to start going on a pursuit of what truth actually is. And then the other thing is the availability that we've talked about so much in recent episodes Mm. is just being available to listen, to answer, to search out with, to sit alongside to go along with in this pursuit. And so you don't necessarily, I would definitely say have a biblical worldview yourself, but it doesn't have to be this all encompassing. I've been in this for 20 years. I could teach it myself kind of thing because you said it like we are all the body, different members and Mm -hmm. you have, you have the role and the availability. And sometimes parents, especially like the creative types, some of the type A's, the self-starters, the go-getters, they want to make it themselves. And they get, they -hmm. almost give up before they start because they don't have time to make it themselves. And so they just sit back and they try to retrofit what they can, but they don't have to because there are resources out there. Mm -hmm. And I know you have resources for multiple age groups And then you also said that you started out with like the younger kids. Like, is it different how you, I know like terms and tone would change, but like, are you starting in the same place no matter what age? Because we have people that are listening that have kids of all different ages and they're starting Mm -hmm. to, to really realize this is important at all different stages in their kids growth. Like, how do you, is there any difference in how you start this line of thinking or is it pretty much kind of the same general route and then you adapt Yeah, I love that question. And I love the way that you phrase it. You know, obviously there's going to be some difference in tone and phrasing. You know, you're not going to talk to a 14 year old the same way you talk to a four four year old. And if you do, there's going to be some (laughs) issues there. (laughs) Um, But in some ways, yes. In all of our materials, we always start off with a foundation of truth Mm -hmm. and what truth is, just because one of the main lies of our culture that's not anywhere spoken or it's rarely spoken out loud, but it's just everywhere assumed. And we don't realize that our kids just absorb is this idea that truth changes from person to person. So that's where we always start. And, you know, even, even just two years ago, I moved to a new location and 
was getting to know people in my church and I went for a walk with a new friend there and she has five sons and I was just, she was just asking me what I did for a living and I was explaining it to her and she was like, Oh, that's so great. She's like, but you know what? Our boys don't need that because, you know, we're involved in this church and it's a solid church and we do family devotions every night and they're involved in a boys Bible study, all really great things. You know, I mean, praise God that they were involved in those things. And I said, you know, I'm so happy that your boys are involved in those things. I was like, here's just a good kind of like measure, you know, just to find out where they are. So go home and ask your older boys, her, her, um, three older boys were 16, 15, and 13. And I said, just go home and ask them, you know, is, is the truth true for everyone or does it change from person to person? So she went to her 16 year old first because her 16 year old is very spiritually mature. He loves the Lord. He knows God's word, you know, just, just a great kid. And she asked him, she said, you know, you know, does, does the truth change or does it stay the same from person to person? He's like, well, when you're talking about something like science, you know, like water being two hydrogen models and one oxygen, um, sorry, not model molecules um, and one oxygen molecule, like, yeah, like it, it stays the same from person to person. She's like, oh, good. And then he goes, but, and she told me her heart just like sank into her stomach. He's like, but if you're talking about something like the Bible, that does change from person to person. He was like, you know, the Bible's true for me because I'm a Christian, but for my Muslim friends at school or my friends that are atheists, like it's not true for them. Like Islam is true for my Muslim friends. And so she was like, oh my goodness. And it's just this lie in our culture that if we're not careful, our kids are going to absorb it without ever questioning it. And so we start off in all of our materials with this concept of truth. When we, when we teach four-year-olds, we're not having to really tear down any faulty ways of thinking. We're just being formative in all of our instruction. And so we involve their bodies. We use simple words. We do things that are loud and things that are quiet, you know, just things that are going to engage four-year-olds. When we're working with eight to 12-year-olds, you know, we try to still involve their bodies and do things that are going to engage them. And we know that we have to do a little bit of reformative work there because usually by the age of eight or nine, kids have already bought into some of that lie. And then once we're into that, you know, 12 to 14 range, uh, we use a little bit more complicated terms. We also extend our lessons because we know there's going to be so much pushback by that time. um, And you have to do you know, more reformative work. So just in short, we always begin with truth because if we start off, you know, even as obviously God is ultimate reality, he's the creator and sustainer of everything. And he is who we should study more than anything else. But if we start with the concept of God without first covering the concept of truth, our kids are just going to be like, okay, yeah, this is what Christians believe. That's nice for us, but it's not true for everybody. So truth is the most important concept um, to start off with. It's your these building blocks are very important and we we surround ourselves with a lot of different types of Christian, you know, through social media and all of this stuff. And so there's the audience that's like, you know, you just need the Bible. It's just the Bible. All you need is the word of God. And that's that's it. And I'm like, okay, try ordering from McDonald's. Just the word of God. <laughs> okay, just by quoting scripture, try to order for McDonald's. And they're either going to say I'm a heretic or that they don't need McDonald's. Either way, <laughs> I've proven my point that when you're dealing with kids, there's it's not that there's you're adding, but you're implementing God's right. word with the language he's given us, the creativity he's given us, and you're, and you're doing a service to it by helping your children, you know, logically galvanize this inherent truth against the attacks of the enemy with itself. Cause what is it? It's truth. God is truth. Mm. You're instilling truth worded in a way that your child understands wherever they're at so that they come to these conclusions where they're working this out. 
Um, and because there's so many, I mean, the devil comes with so many questions and Mm -hmm. the unbeliever who may mean well in their own deceitful heart, right? They're going to come with the same patterns and attacks of the devil, even if they don't even believe in him, right? Because they're walking Mm -hmm. just like he is walking. And so I think that that's so important to, to cover that first and build from there. The apostle Paul comes in and he's like in Hebrews and he's like, Okay, y'all should be teachers already. But like that, that's like a person that says, you just need a Bible. You just right, need, you know, right. we're, we're, we're there. We got this. And it's like, okay, well, he just said we need to go back to milk. Yeah. So maybe, and I like what you were saying about that that that, that lady with the, with the young with the young kid, right, the young boy, where she's like, it's good, it's got it. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> we need to take a step back, and that's okay though. And I, I guess that's not to beat someone up, but to encourage parents. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? I know so we want to be dialed in. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we're we're on it. We're on point and all that. Okay, look, pastoral, right? I still have to tell my child, uh, uh oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I need to look at this. So I, I just want people not to, to go out, out thinking like, hey, we've got it all dialed in. I like this conversation because it's yeah. saying, hey, we don't have it all dialed in. And we have resources yeah. mm-hmm. and we have places where we can go and we don't have to always figure everything out ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. But no, go ahead. No, 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 no. That's that's very good. No, my my curiosity. So our daughter's about to turn four. And you mentioned that, you know, when they're that little, you're kind of just working foundationally because like they're they're still figuring out everything. So that's kind mm-hmm. of like the peak time. But then you said by um, by like 12, there's going to be a lot of pushback. And I'm just curious. I'm not there. We're not there yet. But we know people that are. What kind of pushback do you experience or do people experience when from kids that have been around it that is it more antagonistic because they've been trained that like this is hateful and wrong or is it more they're just confused or like what kind of pushback do children who are older start to have against you know the 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 program that you guys are offering yeah well I think it, it really depends on the child And it stems from one of three areas. You know, when we think about discipling our children, well, I really hate using these three words because they sound so cheesy, but I think it's just so easy to understand. We have to think about head, heart, and hands. Mm. You know, so when we're thinking about the heart, we're thinking about the relationship that we have with our child, you know, and the affections of their heart. You know, like what are the things their hearts are drawn to? When we're talking about their head, we're thinking about their patterns of thoughts and what their beliefs are. And when we're thinking about the hands, it's like what, you know, what are they good at? What things do they do? What routines and rituals do we have set? up in our home. So it usually pushback comes from one of those three areas. And so I think like the first one to always evaluate, because if you don't um, address this, nothing you do is going to work. First, the heart, you know, really seeking out, is there some way in which I've sinned against my child that they're just pushing back against me no matter what I say, because there is some sin that is blocking our relationship, you know, so to really ask the Lord, you know, please reveal to me if I have sinned against my child in some way and I need to repent of that. Or conversely, has my child gotten to some pattern of sin and we've just gotten to this, you know, thing where we sweep it under the rug in our home, because when our children sin against us, just like we sin against them, you know, if there is not confession and repentance, like that sin doesn't go away. That relationship is still blocked. So that's the first thing we need to look at. We also need to consider, do they just have a hardened heart? 
Right. You know, is their heart hardened towards the things of the Lord? Because we can talk with them about truth, but we cannot make a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Only God can do that. And so that, you know, requires serious prayer. So sometimes it comes from that. Um, sometimes it comes from the head where they're just confused. You know, maybe they've just been indoctrinated, you know, in whatever school system we have them in or, you know, the friend group that they have or the YouTubers or TikTokers they're watching and they, you know, just don't know how to think well. And they're kind of muddled in their thinking, you know, and sometimes it's just things of the hands. Like we, we're just moving at such a fast pace in life, you know, and we're doing travel sports and, you know, AP classes and all these kind of things. And there's just no time, you know, to right. really actually get to the heart of these. So I think that's the first thing that we need to do is just kind of diagnose that because if it's an issue of the heart, that it's completely different than an issue of the head or an issue of the hands. And so right. we need to just diagnose that. And then sometimes with kids, sometimes it's just a real confusion, yeah. Over they haven't, you know, they haven't learned to listen well. They haven't learned to think well. And so we actually need to pause and say, okay, let's look at this definition of truth. And the, the definition of truth we give a four-year-old and a 14-year-old is truth is what is real. You know, it's, it's what is real. It's what lines up with the external world. And so we need to spend time, you know, saying like, okay, what is this definition? Like, what do we mean by that? Let's think through examples of that. Sometimes there's pushback because they have friends that have different beliefs, you know, and right. if we believe that Christianity is true, you know, for everyone, that means a lot of the people that we know and love in our sphere of influence are, you know, headed towards a Christless eternity, which is a scary thing. And so, um, so working through kind of that, that emotional issue as well, usually an example that will always hit home, almost always hit home <laughs> with, with a teen or an adolescent is, is if they're just saying like, no, the truth changes from person to person and our feelings, you know, so then we say like, okay, so you're telling me that our feelings, our internal world is the best guide to what is true. You know, it just changes from person to person. And if they agree with that to say, okay, I want you to think of this situation. You have a friend who's really struggling with depression and this friend just feels like they're worthless and their life is not worth living and everybody else would be better off without them. That is how they're feeling. That is how they're thinking. That is everything that their internal world is screaming. Is that true? <laughs> is right. their feeling the best guide for reality? It's like, no, we would never affirm that. We would never say yes. You know, like that's what's true. We're going to try to help them see that they're being blinded right now, you know, by a lie. So I think if we can get, um, for the older guys that have some kind of pushback, usually examples like that really hit home of like, oh, there is this external reality. And then if they're thinking kind of like my friend's son, well, no, you know, just, I mean, yeah, sure. Scientific truth, like that's true for everyone, but you know, religious truth, you know, it just depends on the person to talk about. Okay. So when I say that God exists, does that poof make him pop into existence? No. <laughs> when an atheist says God doesn't exist, is that like poof, make him pop out of existence? No, that is not controllable my, by my inner world. It's either true that God exists or it's not true <laughs> that God exists. You know, there is no third option. The same with the claims of Christianity, like either Jesus rose from the grave or he is still dead. Like there is no third option right, there. So right. just to help some of our older kids who might have some pushback, just see just because we move the claim, we move, you know, the claim over to religion. It's still about external reality. It's not about our feelings. So those are just some tips for parents with so older kids. First good. diagnose. Yeah. Diagnose yes. what it is and then think through we those raise things. an apologist. <laughs> well, no, that's, I'm no, glad like, you like, brought up apologists, <laughs> right? Because like that's, do you did you always have a passion for like even if you didn't know what it, what it was like for apologetics and critical thinking and logic or have you gotten to this level because you were passionate and then started surrounding yourself by people that just 
you all kind of like exercised your minds together to to think this <laughs> deeply and and like have such beautiful logic about Christianity? Oh, good question. Well, I think <laughs> if you would ask me 10 years ago, if like 10 years ago you were like, so Elizabeth, you're interested in apologetics, I would have been like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> like, I have no idea. Even when I started my master's degree in Christian apologetics, it was so funny. I was surrounded in the classroom by all these people that were like, yes, I've been passionate about apologetics for the past 20 years. I'm like, uh-huh. I just learned what this word was six months ago. <laughs> Praise hey, God. hey there. <laughs> um, so anytime in the past, you know, over my lifetime, you know, even when I was in high school or college, anytime I heard someone give kind of like an apologetics based talk, which was not very often, I was very, very drawn to it just because I was already so thoroughly convinced that Christianity was true because I had thought through it so much. And I was like, oh, this is so exciting to hear that, like, there are these logical reasons for believing that Christianity is true. And then it was my love for my students that really sent me down this trail of studying it. And and I still have so much room for growth in my own thinking, but I have grown a lot by listening to others who think well, by reading books. And also I have a friend who is a good friend, but is also a very uh, brutal in his analysis of things. And so we were study buddies in the apologetics program. (laughs) And every day he was just kind of like, Elizabeth, what you just said is so dumb. (laughs) Like it was just so dumb. And like then like critiquing it. And it was emotionally very stressful, very, very stressful, but intellectually and spiritually, it was so helpful. God used that as a refining thing for to just be told multiple times a day that I was thinking in a very dumb way. And then to have it explained why. (laughs) I I, I think that like also people get apologetics kind of like they, they, they lift it to a level of impossibility Um, Mm. because critical thinking, it's a day to day Mm -hmm. thing. It's day, it's day to day reasoning. Uh, of course, you're using biblical truth because that's the foundation that you have, but you're, you're taking on the world. Okay. So military guy. And so like, I was never taught apologetics, but I was taught how to read the scene, how to read the room, how to, how to have a conversation or how to, how to go towards something that was coming towards me. Right. It's kind of like, okay, so let's think about this. So I think that, but if we, we dumb, not dumb it down in the sense, but give people the encouragement, like, okay, look, apologetics, you always see like some of those big guys on stage, like just going at it, you know, <laughs> with the Bible, Corinthians, first Corinthians, this second Corinthians, yeah. just like, she didn't use any Bible y'all. I just want you to know that she said either he's alive or he's dead. One, I'm either going to have one or the other opinion. Right. Right. And so then where do you go with when they have a different opinion Yeah. or where mm-hmm. do you go when they have the same opinion? And so then you can just start working it back with common sense to what you believe, which always goes right back to the gospel. It it doesn't require all the dispensations and knowing all the dispensations, (laughs) knowing all of the covenants and all of these things. It's, it's the basics. And and I think in one of our apologetics classes, one of the greatest things that we had heard was, was, um, Oh no, discipleship. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Like that word discipleship throws people off too. It's like, (gasps) how about investment? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so apologetics, critical thinking and just taking mm-hmm. it back to, to ground roots, the gospel mm-hmm. and what Jesus has done. Yeah. And, and I think mm-hmm. that that would encourage people because I know I, I get into my, my, my college apologetics. I'm just like, I know we had an apologetics class and it was the first Bible college class where he was like, he looked like he was just being dragged through a bed of nails. And I was sitting there like lit up like this. And he was, and I mean, he, not that he doesn't see the value. It's just like, 
And I think you saw more of the value after because of who was teaching the class and how they worded it. But one of the things that came out of that for us was that apologetics or critical thinking, what you're doing is pretty much removing obstacles that are in the path of someone's walk to Christ. Yes. Like there's there's roadblocks and it's not supposed to be this theatrical duel with some opposition. Like when Bill Nye and Ken Ham were debating, it wasn't to win the other one over. It was for the people in the crowd. Right. But what Mm -hmm. we're doing is focusing on the other person because this isn't a duel with the other person. It's moving roadblocks out of the way for our children and helping them Mm -hmm. know what to do when a roadblock does show up. And believing what they believe. Yes. If they believe what they believe, then they believe what they believe. Amen. I know that's that's so so <laughs> prophetic right there, y'all. That's a revelation because it, it, but that's how we face the world. It's like I could sit out here and I, and we go on the street, we evangelize people, we talk to people, we we have conversations with people. Sometimes they're receiving, sometimes they're rejecting, and for us for our kids to understand that another okay, I, this isn't even your. I'm sorry. This, now this is Shay. No, but like rejection, teaching them about rejection, teaching them that rejection is okay because I think that because we're gonna be rejected. Um, Mm -hmm. we're going to go through these things. And and sometimes they fight so hard. Like I know as a kid, I wanted to be liked so much. I just wanted to be liked. And and so I would, I would, you know, kind of mm, twist and turn to the truth a little here, there, because I want to be accepted by whoever. We have to teach them that they're okay, that their identity is in Christ, that there's going to be a form of rejection, but stand true to what you believe and be that light and be earlier. You said demonstration, be a demonstration to those around them. And I think that as parents, the same thing applies. How do we respond when we're out in the world? How does our child watch us right. respond as we're out in the world? See, I'm doing apologetics and I, that's not even my thing. I'm just a, a, a guy who thinks common sense. If, I'm, if a guy cuts me off and almost rams into us like today, and, Kale- and Kalia goes, oh, no. Baba, you're not mad? And I'm like, no, we're okay. And she goes, he was too close. I say, yeah, but he was probably, and explain it. Hey, maybe he didn't see us. Maybe he didn't, whatever. Yeah. And so I think that we all have this. Yeah. Um, and, and we should never feel like that we just can't do this for our child mm-hmm. to teach them how to critically think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What you said about, you know, like you went in and you had a study buddy and you didn't even know what this word was until a few weeks before you showed up in class and all of this stuff. I think that's. That's what a lot, that's like the situation for a lot of parents. And we've encouraged people Mm. have biblically grounded friends um, Mm. and, and don't just see them on Sunday, but like really try to make time, even if it's just inviting them into what you're already doing, because that's going to help you gain confidence so much in, in doing this. Right. Because, you know, there might be people listening like, whoa, I never thought of anything y'all just said which means I'm totally not qualified to do this with my kid. But then I also know segueing into like what you guys offer, we're looking into it for Kalia and we have a little homeschool co-op we're developing and we're like, you have this great opportunity. One, it's affordable um, in general, but it's even more affordable if you all like go in on it together and do one of like the Mm -hmm. for a group um, things. Mm -hmm. And I think that like as we're parents of an only child and I can see this being so rewarding with a small group of kids, a large group of kids, you know, like not to say you can't do it when you just have one, but I feel like a lot of what you've designed, like just because they get to hear what each other is thinking and and work Mm -hmm. together in the same way that we can as adults. Um, You know, do you have any examples, any like stories of like a small group of kids, you know, doing it together and, and what you got to, how they kind of reacted to hearing one another as they were walking through it? 
Yeah, we have um, we have had a, a number. I mean, we have different licenses for families, right. for co-ops, as you mentioned, for churches, for Christian yeah. schools. And so I always love um, when the feedback gets forwarded on to me. And so actually, this is this is not um, super based on content, but it made me laugh in one of our curriculums at the end of every curriculum. When I give them the final activity, I'm like, do you think you can do it? I bet you can. And this one group of moms, they sent a video of their kids were like all seated in these, you know, these sofas in somebody's living room. And like they were playing the video. And I said, do you think you can do it? And all the kids paused at the same time and looked towards the mom's iPhone and was like, we bet you can. And it was just so cute. <laughs> I love it was it. so cute. Yeah. But as you said, you know, anytime we, with the way that God has designed us, like God is, God is Trinity. You know, there's Father, mm. the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been an eternal loving communion for all of eternity past. And as God's image bearers, he has designed us with the need for community because we bear his image. And so anytime we're in a situation, whether it's a social situation or a learning situation, we have the opportunity to interact with others and actually hear what they're saying. And we have the opportunity to share what we are thinking. We're going to learn in a much deeper way because we always learn more as we talk. It's just the way that God's designed our brain. And when we learn in community, it sticks in a more powerful way, whether we're you know introverts or extroverts. And so we always love when families get together and do our resources together. Because they're also just developing community within the body of Christ. You know, as you mentioned, that is vital and it is biblical. You know, it is we have to understand that the Bible was not written in 21st century Western culture, you know, where we just all view ourselves as these individual family units, that the body of Christ in the first century really viewed itself as a family because that is what we are. We are the family of God. And so if we want our children to have a biblical worldview, we have to ground them in the reality that we are part of the family of God. And that just doesn't take place for one hour on a Sunday morning. You know, it should be taking place almost every day of the week. So I love that you asked that question because it's so important. Absolutely. This is so fat. I know. I'm (laughs) so excited. So much. So so this is the portion of the show. No, I'm just making that up. (laughs) I was going to say, we get to throw your last punch or give your last hug. And what would you give for your last punch or your last hug for the parents out there that are listening right now? Yeah. Well, hopefully this is just a strong embrace. <laughs> right, right. Count it as a strong embrace, not a wimpy little hug. Um, so first of all, just I, I would just encourage the parents out there for listening to this. You know, they're spending almost an hour of their day, you know, whether they're seated and watching this, you know, or cleaning the kitchen, mowing the lawn, you know, while listening to this, they're, they're invested in this and growing themselves spiritually and, and thinking through what's happening, you know, in their kids' lives. So first of all, I just want to encourage you for spending that time doing that. It means that you have a heart for this, you know, that you understand that God has called you to this and that is half the battle. <laughs> um, so, and just want to, just want to encourage you, you know, with all that we've mentioned, it might be a lot of new stuff that you might never have thought about before. And it might feel a little bit overwhelming to think through, oh my gosh, I have haven't been doing this for so long. Is it too late? Just to be reminded, you know, that God is sovereign and that God has equipped you with what you need to disciple the children that he has placed in your care. So I just would encourage you just continue being intentional. You know, don't don't um, outsource the discipleship of your children to anyone else. You know, yes, be rooted in the body of Christ. You know, even if that involves kids programming, that's great. But just understand that you are the primary disciple maker of your children um, and continue pressing on because God is sovereign. (laughs) And we know you can. (laughs) (laughs) I know you can.
Ryan. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. For everybody listening in the pantry fam, you can go to foundationworldview.com to check out all of these resources and see how you can plug them in. Doesn't matter if you homeschool, public school, private school, charter school, whatever it is. School your kids. You can still do this <laughs> together in a small community wherever you are. So thank you so much again. And we will leave all this in the show notes at thepantrypodcast.com. You can always support us at patreon.com slash thepantrypodcast. So until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. The Pantry Podcast is also honored to be featured on the Edify app, Spark Radio, Spark Media on Uplifted, and Eternity Ready Radio.